Hi, welcome to the Sleep Junkies podcast. My name's Jeff Mann. I'm the founder and editor of sleepjunkies.com. Now, if you've not been here before, what do we do? Now, at Sleep Junkies, we cover the whole conversation on sleep. We talk about the health aspects. We talk about the science and the research behind sleep. We talk about the culture of sleep. We talk about trends in the sleep industry and sleep products and sleep technology. We talk about how sleep affects you across the ages, whether you're raising a family, whether you're at school, whether you're at work, whether you're retired. Pretty much, if there's an interesting story and it's got anything to do with sleep, then we'll cover it. So today we're going to talk about a topic that's very important to the subject of sleep. We're going to talk about mattresses and we're going to talk about the buying decisions behind choosing a mattress. We're going to talk about the different types of mattresses. And to give a bit of context to the discussion, we have to look at what's happened in the mattress industry in the last five years. Now, just as companies like Uber, companies like Airbnb and Amazon have revolutionized taxis, hotels and retail shopping, well, the mattress industry, which is worth tens of billions of dollars, has undergone its own technological revolution. This started in 2014 with a company called Casper who invented what's now called the bed-in-a-box model. Instead of having to go to a physical retail store and lying down on a mattress and trying it out, you can now go online, choose what you want, click a button, and then your mattress will turn up on the doorstep, vacuum-packed and nicely packaged, which is, which is great. It's really convenient. You save money because these companies are not having to pay overheads for physical retail stores. However, Buying a mattress is not like buying a TV or a toaster. A mattress is a very tactile experience and it's crucial to the quality of your sleep. If you get it wrong, you're not going to sleep well. So what do we do about that? If companies like Casper and their competitors have wiped out all the mattress stores and there's nowhere left to go to try anything out, well, you have to make better, more informed decisions. And that's why I invited our guest on today. He's someone who's been in the bed and the mattress industry for the last three decades. He sold tons of beds. He's seen lots of trends and fashions in the industry come and go. And we're going to talk about five common mistakes that people make when they're choosing a mattress. So I hope you enjoy the conversation and I hope you learn some useful stuff. If you're liking the Sleep Junkies podcast, don't forget to subscribe. You can also catch us on social media, we're on Instagram, we're on Twitter, we've got a Facebook group called Sleep Junkies Worldwide, and of course, you can check out the website sleepjunkies.com. So that's it for the introduction, really hope you enjoy the conversation today, and we'll see you on the next one. Hi Jerry, how are you doing today? Hi Jeff, yeah, very good, how are you? Really good, really good, thanks. Jerry, can you give us an introduction and a bit of a background to why people should be listening to you speak as an authority on a subject today of mattresses? Yeah, thanks. My name is Jerry Cheshire. I have been selling beds since 1996. I have a, a an award-winning bed shop in Purley in Surrey, and I've sold through my outlets in excess of 30,000 beds. Prior to having my bed shop, I worked for Sealy, the posturepedic people, as a representative selling beds into bed shops. And in that time, 
I've probably found almost every scenario that someone buying a bed could possibly go through. So that's a lot of beds, 30,000 beds. Yeah, well. Um, can you remember each one? Um, no, Jeff, I can't. <laughs> um, however, I, I remember significant sales, of course, you know, the largest and the first and, you know. So you've just, you've pretty much seen every situation when it comes to different types of people buying beds. And you've also got another alter ego as well. You're, you're the Beducator. Well, the Beducator came up um, when I was rebranding Surrey Beds. We decided uh, back in 2013 to differentiate ourselves from many of our competitors by just taking out the lower quality products and concentrating on the, on the much better quality. And when I'm explaining really what I'm trying to achieve to the advertising agency, the marketing agency that I used. The lady that I was talking to there just said, you just educate people about beds. And then she said, we should call you the beducator. And, and it stuck from that, really. It's, uh, right. um, it's, it's a little bit tongue in cheek, if you like, but really it's, uh, it sums up what I'm trying to do for people. Great. You're like the terminator of the, of the bed industry. <laughs> yeah, that's that right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Brilliant, Joe. Well, thanks so much for uh, coming on the podcast today. So we're going to talk about common mistakes that people make when they're buying a mattress. But before we get into that, I want to just get a little perspective. So, I mean, you've been in the industry a long time and I imagine you've seen a lot of changes, sold mattresses and beds to just about every type of person. But the industry has, has changed yeah, radically it, over the last few years. Um, a lot of that is to, to do with technology and ordering online so um i mean we we could probably save this for a whole nother chat and, and podcast but can you just give us your your brief thoughts about how it's changed over those years and where we are yeah when, when i first got involved in the industry i worked for Sealy, which was part of the silent night group and, and at that time the silent night group had 42 percent of the uk bed market but over time the introduction of new technology uh, advent of the internet um, has, has completely changed. Back in the 90s, uh, you know, the majority of beds were sold through independent bed shops like mine. Uh, it's tough to find any now. I mean, they're, they're, they're very, very few. Really, the big things that have changed the market in my time was, was firstly the, the introduction of memory foam, which became a massive thing in the, in the noughties, if you like. And, and we saw a trend where the consumer got onto this new thing called memory foam, which actually was not new at all. It was developed in the 60s, but it was new to the bed market. And then when they came came to buy again 10 years later, they didn't buy it again, which was interesting. So, they, so the next bed they bought wasn't necessarily a memory foam. And then the advent of the internet, where we get disruptors, um, the bed-in-a-box type people, who have brought memory foam back to the market again, but in a convenience format where it's vacuum pack rolled up, delivered by TNT or whoever. It makes bed buying a, you know, a different experience. Um, but there's still room for established independent bed stores with bed specialists like me, as, as I proved, because I'm still here after 20 years. I think it's inevitable because the internet has kind of changed everything, the, the yeah, way that we shop. A lot of people these days are, you know, going over to the online experience just because of the convenience um, and there's a lot of marketing behind it and, and also price as well. But maybe, uh, and it's one of the reasons I wanted to get you on the line to talk about this, um, maybe the fact that so many people are going over to this online experience of buying mattresses and beds. Do you think people are maybe losing out 
on what the the educator could bring to this. Maybe they're less informed about their their buying decisions. Yeah, yeah. When people research buying anything, there are certain touch points, aren't there? Which is showrooms, brochures, online, you know, whatever. But um, but when you're buying a bed online, the one thing you can't do is touch it, try it, and feel it. Before we get into the points, Jerry, can you just give us um, a very quick rundown on the different types of mattresses? We just yeah. talked about how the industry has changed and people may not know because they may just be seduced by uh, an advert. Can you just give us a rundown of the different types of mattresses that there are? I can split the market really into two distinct areas. One is mattresses with springs and the other is mattresses with foam. Obviously, there's an overlap because you can get a mattress with springs and foam, but a traditional mattress would be a steel spring with upholstery made of natural fillings, usually things like cotton felt and wool. Then, of course, we've got the the advent of the foam. When memory foam came along, it did enable a lot of bed manufacturers to produce a big-looking mattress quite cheaply by replacing all of the natural fillings with a PU foam. The spring type, and there are two distinct spring types. One is uh, what we call an open coil spring, with individual springs are joined together with with like a helical wire. Um, and then there's the individual pocket springs, which are um, a spring which is put inside a little calico pocket. So, so they're they're completely different types of spring that would feel completely different. And with foam mattresses. The analogy I use is is like baking bread. You know, foam is a recipe of chemicals. And depending upon what chemicals you put in uh, determines what type of foam comes out. And of course, we talk about memory foam, for example. And the key to a good foam is its density. So you would measure a foam by how much a cubic meter of it weighs. And one of my the drums that I bang on about is that I feel that all foam mattresses should have the density declared on the mattress so that you know what quality of mattress you're buying. Um, so two distinct types of mattresses, mattresses with springs, mattresses with foam, and then we've got two types of spring, an open coil and a pocket, and then we've got all of the different types of foam. Would it be fair to say that most mattresses these days are what they call hybrids and they're, they're different, either different layers of foam or springs w- with foam? Yeah, there's a lot of hybrid product. I went into a big chain of uh, bed stores, a particular store in Canada recently, and um, um, and they must have had at least 80 beds on display. And I said to the, the sales guy, I said, oh, could you point me in the direction of the mattresses that don't have foam in? And he said, I haven't got one. So, yeah. so this, this is a, an indication of just the way the market's going, you know, that more and more mattresses now have foam inside them. But the bed in the box, uh, they're, they're all going to be foam, aren't they? Because you can't, you can't roll up a spring mattress. Can you? The majority of the mattress is foam. Sometimes they put in like a little mini spring, like a two-inch high mini spring to say that it has any number of thousands of springs in it, which, which is a marketing ploy. Yeah, so springs versus foam now yep. my my sort of layman's understanding is the spring is going to allow more ventilation and it's going to be better for temperature whereas yeah. the, the foam is cheaper to to produce so you, you could probably explain that in the- yeah that's right well there are two distinct parts to it to a mattress, the spring, which is the bit that supports you, and then the upholstery, which is everything else in it, which is the the comfort. So you're getting support and comfort, right? There is a third element that you should really look for when you're buying a mattress, and that's durability, which is the bit that is determined by the quality of the components and the way they're produced. 
to get to your value sweet spot is comfort, support and durability. So comfort from the upholstery, support from the spring, durability from the quality of the components. Sometimes with the upholstery, um, it's replaced with a foam. However, in a foam-only mattress, you would get a firm, dense support foam. And then on top of that, you'd get another layer of foam, which is slightly softer, the memory foam bit, probably. It's actually a very technical subject, isn't it, when you deep dive? But the, the yeah. bottom line is, ideally, you need to go and try, try it out, which <laughs> brings us on yeah. to the first of our points and um, the mistakes that people make when they choose a mattress. So mistake number one is not trying before you buy. Yeah, the, the thing is, if you go to a bed store or a department store's bed department or a furniture store and you try a mattress, you know exactly what you're going to get when it turns up on your doorstep. And if you buy a mattress online, you're dependent upon the photograph, the description of the mattress and the reviews that people leave. What tends to happen is people try and find what is perceived to be the best value for money. So the lowest price and the highest spec, if you like, which can be easily manipulated online. Uh, reviews, of course, are always left far, far too early, in my opinion, on mattresses, where people would leave a review after having received it for two nights and say how marvellous it is, where in fact it should be reviewed after about 18 months when you know how the mattress is performing and how well you're sleeping in it. So what happens is when you part with your money online, if you're hopefully using a reputable online e-tailer, that you don't actually know what you're getting until it turns up on your doorstep. And then you get it into your bedroom and you spend a night on it and you, you'll never know if you could have got something better for the money if you'd have gone and shopped somewhere else. Um, well, of course, if you go to the bed shop, you can try, you can pick out which one you want, and you know exactly what you've bought and what's going to turn up at your house when it arrives. So it's, it just gives that a little bit more certainty. Yeah, I mean, that that's the ideal, isn't it? We um, You try before you buy. Obviously, I mean, you said a lot of the, a lot of the bed stores have, have closed down now like a lot of um physical retail stores it, it's it leaves a little bit of a hole really because it's the independent stores that build you know that help build the brands on the high street <laughs> and of course they're not going to be there to do it so um we're, you know we'll see what the future holds it's just common sense i mean for me it's my partner she buys shoes online but i would never ever consider buying a pair of shoes online because i want to wear them i want to walk about in them and yeah exactly yeah uh, so um how do people how do people navigate all that kind of stuff let's say there are no independent bed shops where they are but they would like to try something out yeah it, that that's a difficult one if if there's not a bed shop nearby but you do get this hundred night trial um although it is a hundred nights you can't send the thing back after 50 or 60 you have to keep it for the hundred nights and then you know how many people do bother with actually all the hassle of sending it back afterwards and and there are of course with the with a mattress in a box type people, there are some very good ones. Um, and there are also some really terrible ones, like with any market, really. Um, but there is a correlation between cost and quality. So um, my advice would be to, you know, look at the ones at the top of the market first. There is no substitute for walking into a, a retailer that sells beds. It doesn't have to be an independent bed shop. It can be a chain of bed shops. It can be a furniture shop, a department store with a bed department. There are plenty of outlets out there for you to go in and lie down on something. And one of the things that people say to me often is that, well, you can't tell if a mattress is right by just lying in it in a shop for 10 minutes. Now, my response to that is, well, actually, you can tell instantly if it's wrong. You're going to tell instantly if you don't like it. 
Um, so what happens, you know, for example, in my store, we have over 40 beds on display. Um, a customer can come into my shop. They'll probably find three or four that they really like. And then whichever one they pick out of those three is determined by, you know, price, availability, you know, uh, delivery lead time and stuff. But at least there's three that they know are right. You know, whereas if you order something online, you know, you don't know if, if the mattress it turns up in your doorstep is right. So that's one way. If there was a big superstore, furniture superstore, and they yeah. they were thinking about maybe a, a memory foam mattress, they'd never bought one before, go in, lie down. And then, as you say, um, they may not know instantly everything that's available on the market, but they will know instantly whether they dislike it. So if they yeah. dislike it instantly, they may go okay, well, maybe memory foam isn't for me. So. Exactly, exactly. What, what I do in my store, Jeff, is, is um, because I buy for my store, so I buy and I sell, so I talk directly to the consumer myself, is I try and buy the very best in every category. So I've got, I perceive to be, after 30 years' experience in the industry, the best pocket sprung mattresses, for example. I've got the best foam mattresses. I've got the best hybrid mattresses. And if you want a budget mattress, which a lot of people do because you don't want to spend thousands of pounds maybe on a mattress for the spare bedroom, then I do very good, you know, high spec, lower priced products, which are of fantastic value for money. But I've done the shopping for you, you know, so you could come in and you, I've probably got the best 40 beds that I can find in my shop and you can come in and pick out from those 40 which you think is the best one for you well there you go i mean that's it's kind of an old-fashioned view of consumerism that isn't it but that's how it used to be you go to you go to a shop and the shopkeeper's the expert but it's not always the case these days but um it's such an important um purchase you know as far as your health and well-being is concerned um it's it's the most important piece of furniture you'll ever buy with regard to your health and well-being. Uh, and if you get it wrong, you know, it can affect you in so many different ways because if you don't sleep properly, you know, um, there's all sorts of, you know, health issues and performance issues that you can come up with. Yeah. Okay, brilliant. So mistake number two, we hear this thing, you talk about this in your book, this idea that a firm mattress is the best. That was kind of my thinking and yeah. I, I sort of did a little bit of research on it and there there isn't really any science any scientific evidence to talk about firm mattresses and it kind of makes sense because to do mm. thorough scientific research on that you'd need to get hundreds of people and hundreds of mattresses and different types of mat so practically speaking there's there isn't any way to sort of scientifically test this but we hear about this all the time don't we a firm mattress is the best yeah, and, and, and of course, manufacturers play on that, don't they, by putting a firm, uh, the word firm on the label. Uh, even if it's not firm necessarily, they can put firm on it and people will be happy to see it and assume that that mattress is good. One of the big misnomers, of course, is the orthopedic, you know, that people say, oh, you need an orthopedic mattress if you've got a bad back. Mm -hmm. Well, of course, there's no standard of mattress, which, you, you know, a mattress has to be um, to be called orthopedic. You know, you just find that the firmest mattresses tend to have that label on it, which is a little bit misleading. So if you've got back pain, let's say, you might yeah. have, um, you might be tempted by this uh, this word orthopedic, but you're saying that's a marketing term. It doesn't actually mean... Yeah, it, it, it's a marketing term. Um, and, and, you know, if a mattress is too firm, um, then you'll find that you get pressure points which uh, you know pins and needles really uh, your heavier parts of your body your shoulders and your hips and and I, and I hear it quite often people say oh you know I can't sleep because I've got pins and needles in in 
in, in my shoulders and hips. And I say, well, you, that's because your mattress is too firm. And they say, oh, I thought a firm mattress was supposed to be better for me if I've got, you know, these issues. And, and of course, it's completely the opposite. Um, and, and really, there's a happy medium between, um, again, I go back to this support and comfort. Um, a mattress doesn't have to be rock hard. Um, to be supportive you can soften a mattress by the use of these mini springs or by the use of natural fillings Um, and it would just um, mean that that the mattress you've got is it has a good supportive spring but has a softer top Um, and that would then alleviate the pressure points that you've got so a mattress being firm it's a bit of an old wives tale really uh, they say well i need a firm mattress and i ask them who told you that uh, and they just say oh it's it's it, you know it's common knowledge it's actually myth it's a myth um so so again i go back to the three um elements of buying mattress value it's support comfort and durability so basically every manufacturer let's say they, there's a big manufacturer and they've got a range of mattress products they're yeah. going to have let's say you know three different types soft medium firm yeah but the, yeah. but one one company's firm could be completely different to, to another, another company's firm yeah absolutely um and in fact you, uh, there's one particular brand that, that i stock and and they um refer to them as um medium firm and extra firm so there are three options. Well, it's interesting that they didn't name it soft, medium and firm because no one would ever buy the soft one because it's got a soft label on it. You know, so there's this marketing manipulation, if you like. But there are instances where you would need a firm mattress. You know, if you're in excess of 18 stone, for example, you might need a firm mattress. It might, you, you know, you might need a mattress with that firm enough spring to support you properly. What's that in, a, what's that in American for uh, American listeners? Oh, that are... um... <laughs> I'm just googling it now on the line so that's uh, 250 pounds so 250 pounds yeah and, and there are going to be instances jeff where two people sleeping in the same bed where um you know mr bed buyer is 18 stone and mrs bed buyer is nine stone the best will in the world if they were buying mattresses separately they probably wouldn't choose the same one you know so some manufacturers would actually be able to do for you in the same mattress, half of the springs on one side are a medium and the other side is firm so that the, the heavier person can sleep on the firmer spring. Well, I never knew that. I read, yeah. that, in your, I read that in your book. Yeah. I'm thinking, well, surely all mattresses should be like yeah, that. Yeah, it's quite important, isn't it? But I met a couple who, uh, who said, oh, we've just bought a new bed and we're not very happy with it. And they'd spent lots of money. And I said, well, what's the issue then? And she said, well, I like a nice soft bed and my husband likes a really firm bed. So we compromised and we got one that was sort of medium. So neither of them are happy, you know, neither of them <laughs> yeah. got, got the bed that they really liked. So I said, so why didn't you buy one that was soft on one side and hard on the other? So we didn't know we could get that. Well, yeah, um, you know, you won't necessarily find that information online. So this is another reason for, for trying something because there's no standard for firm. Um, no, there isn't. And if you're heavier, you might want something that's firmer. Well, that, that, that's the thing, Jeff. Uh, there are retailers who grade mattresses, you know, one to six or whatever for firmness. When people come into my store and say, oh, you know, they lie on a mattress, they say, what would this be then? Would this be a four? And I say, well, I don't grade my mattresses like that because I've got 40 mattresses in my shop and they're all different. So, so to be accurate, I'd have to have 40 grades. So, yeah. so who is the guy that chooses which mm. mattresses go into which grade? The best yeah. judge of that is the consumer. It's the person yeah. that's actually spending the money. They should yeah. decide that themselves, in my opinion. What about a case for a soft mattress? 
when would somebody want uh, a, a soft mattress? Well, the mattress has to be supportive. That is key. The softness is really the comfort element. So if you've got a nice, good, firm spring that you know is going to support your spine properly, you can put layers of soft material on top to make it feel softer if you like. But there's going to be a point actually where where you're sinking too far in, if you like. Um, and, and if you're trying to keep your spine horizontal whilst you're lying on your side and you're with your head in line with your spine, then something too soft will you'll sink in a bit too far. They call it the hammock effect, where your spine just sort of drops a little bit in the middle. Okay, so the next point is this thing about springs. Now, you briefly described it, but if anyone doesn't know, just to visualize, so you've got open springs and that's the springs are all open and they're, and they're all they're sometimes joined together, I believe, as well. But the pocket springs is actually yeah. each individual spring has got a, a fabric housing around it, isn't it? And, um, yeah, that's right. Yeah. So this leads on to our next point, which is that uh, sometimes people will choose a mattress because it's got twice as many springs as its competitor. Yeah. But that's not a good buying decision. No, it's it's not because um, with a standard size spring, there's only a certain number that you can that will fit. Okay, so so that number that you see on the label of the mattress is the number of springs in that model of king size mattress. So if you have a standard industry standard spring which is two inches in diameter, you can only get about fourteen hundred in. That's all that fit. You can't get any more than that. In. So if the number is more than 1,400, you need to know how that number's achieved. There, there are lots and lots of different ways to do it. But I'll, I'll go back to a conversation that I might mention in my book with a guy that I met at a networking event who said, um, oh, I just bought a new mattress. So I said, oh, how, you know, how did you decide what to buy? And he said, well, my old mattress had 1,000 springs, so I wanted a better one. So I bought one with 2,000 springs. I said, oh, right, okay. But actually, what had happened, I understand the logic there. It's perfect logic. However, what happens is instead of putting a six-inch spring inside, so instead of having a 1,000 six-inch springs, um, it would have two layers of a 1,000 three-inch springs making 2,000 springs. Now, there's no benefit to that at all other than the fact that it makes the number on the label bigger. Okay. Well, it's the same thing, isn't it? It's exactly, <laughs> the it's exactly the same thing. However, one label will have a 1,000 on it and another label will have 2,000 on it. Uh, and, and so you really need, you know, when you're looking at that number, you need to know how that number is derived. So unless you're comparing exactly the same spring, the number actually is misleading in my opinion. So so there's much, much more to a mattress than just the springs. Makes perfect sense. Okay, next point. Uh, we touched upon this earlier about memory foam. Now, memory foam is, you know, sometimes people just go, yeah, memory foam, that's what I want, but bought it. Yeah, um, yeah. but I mean, memory foam was introduced into the bed industry in the late 90s by a, a well-known Swedish company. So it's not new. Right, that's that's the first thing to know. It, it developed in the sixties, and it came into um, it came into the bed market because it actually wasn't much used for anything else. It was NASA, wasn't it? Yeah, well, it was it was produced for NASA, but it was never actually used in the space program. Right. Okay. But the thing with memory foam was that when it first came out, you know, when Temper bought memory foam out, they they produced a very very high quality foam, and um, because it wasn't identified as very high quality foam, a lot of the competitors of the time came out with a product that was you know, lower spec, cheaper to produce, 
and tried to market it at temper prices. So, so you got the high quality that temper were producing at the time. Um, and a lot of other people came on into the market to try and compete with them with a much lower quality product. But of course, you couldn't tell, the consumer couldn't tell that the product was lower quality and, until they'd used it for a certain amount of time and realized actually not, it's not durable. So there was this trend during the, the noughties, if you like, where, you know, a lot of people wanted to buy memory foam. And then again, when they became a repeat buyer, they didn't choose memory foam again. And then we're seeing it all again now with this bed in the box uh, situation. But, but you know, foams have developed. There are more foams in the bed industry than just memory foam. Just a briefly recap so you would buy a memory foam mattress because it's going to give you not the support but the comfort is that is that, that right? that's right Me- memory foam is a is a comfort layer okay if you've got a piece of memory foam um and lay it on the floor uh, uh, you put the memory foam on the floor and then you lay down on it you would sink to the floor okay you would actually it would it would be hard and you would sink to the floor so it's, there's no support at all it's just a comfort layer and if if you think um you're looking at a mattress that's foam only um it's not all memory foam only the top bit will be the memory foam the bit the comfort bit which would it on a on the equivalent sprung mattress would be the fillings would be the upholstery would be the the wool and the cotton felt so that would be the you know that layer of memory foam doesn't support you it's just purely a comfort layer but as you said you need to check what the density of the memory foam is yeah, that's right. I mean, it really needs to be of a certain density, about 55 kilograms per cubic meter to do what memory foam, you know, you would expect memory foam to do, which is adapt to your contours of your body and move with you as you sleep. Um, a lower quality, a lower density memory foam might not contour to your body quite as much. It, you know, it, it, it will move much quicker. So, you know, it doesn't give you that viscosity, if you like, which is, they call it viscoelastic memory foam. So you get this viscosity and very dense memory foam, sort of 80 kilograms. It's just so prohibitively expensive to produce that, that it's very difficult to find on the market. And if you could find it, it would be, you know, it'd be phenomenally expensive. You need firstly a certain density, which we recommend 55 kilograms per cubic meter, and you need enough of it. So if your top layer of memory foam is only a centimeter thick it's not enough Um, you need about 50 mil about five centimeters between five and seven anything deeper than seven you'll just sink into it and it'll feel like quicksand you know you won't be able to move out of it properly you know there is a parameters that one should look for when buying memory foam so So is it is it the case that maybe some of these cheap things that you see that you think that's an incredible price and it's memory foams is it it maybe the case they're using a, a cheap yeah, they'll, they'll use a low density memory foam. What you've got to remember, of course, that that a high density memory foam won't roll up. All right, it would be too dense to roll, right, so it won't go right. through the vacuum packing. Right. So, so that you know, the, these mattress in a box people can only actually use a certain density; otherwise, it won't roll. Right. Um, something else that's quite important about memory foam that people don't realise is that it's temperature reactive. Okay, mm, yeah. so a lump of memory foam, for example, if you put a piece of memory foam in the fridge, it would go hard, right? And if you left it out in the sunshine, it would go soft. Right? And it's designed to work optimally your external body temperature. So it does retain heat, and it needs heat to work to become, you know, malleable. Yeah. Um, so there is this heat retention, and one of the big objections to memory foam is that that it that it you know it gets hot and, and and two of the main two of the main sleep inhibitors are temperature and stress okay so mm. so we're talking about the temperature side here and and because memory foam 
gets hot, um, that's why they introduce some of these cool gels which they put into yeah. the mix. So this is just another ingredient in the recipe, okay? Yeah. Um, but what you need to be very careful of with, uh, with these cool gels is how long does the cooling element last, okay? So right. it, it might keep you cool when the mattress is new, you know, for the first six months. It might work perfectly. It'll be a nice, cool mattress when you get in it. Um, but over time, you know, all you're doing to that, cooling element is adding heat to it all the time all the time so you know eventually it's going to lose its ability to cool you um and actually because mattresses with the cool cooling element haven't been around very long no one actually knows you know how long that that cooling gel keeps you cool um i would suggest you know that that if it lasts two or more years then yeah you've done pretty well but but there's no data out there to tell you. Um, it's all the rage now, isn't it? All all of these new yeah, but it only exists, and... Jeff, because memory foam makes you hot. So memory <laughs> right. foam was never a okay. great product to sleep on in the first place. <laughs> right. So now they're trying to adapt it to 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 stop the heat, which is what people objected to. Um, but it but really they should just pull it from the market altogether, in my opinion, because it it, it actually do, it, it's not it's not conducive to good sleep. That's what we're all about. <laughs> yeah, that, that's all you want a mattress for, isn't it? Yeah. You, know, you just want to sleep well. Okay. Um, brilliant, Jerry. Uh, last point, and maybe this is a slightly contentious one, but um, yeah. uh, and, and the, the mistake is people don't spend enough. People go on a sort of bottom feeding thing and go for the, the, the best bang for your buck. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I mean, it, as I've touched on before, it's the most important piece of furniture you'll buy with regard to your health and well-being. Um, and what we tend to find is that as people get older and a bit more disposable income, they do invest in a better bed. There is a, also some of the Sleep Council research has, has proven that, you know, the people who spend more on a mattress are happier with what they buy. You know, that there is no hidden agenda with beds, really, that more you pay, the better the product. And when I say better product, I mean... Um, more comfort, more support for longer. All mattresses on day one will feel better than what you had before, right? Um, but there'll be a point in the future when its performance, i.e. its comfort and support, will deteriorate quite quickly. And we're all guilty of keeping mattresses too long. So you really want that point in the future to be as far away as possible. But of course, you've got to pay for that. That's what you pay. You pay for the durability. But there is a limit to this. In, in my store, the top mattress in my shop is £4,000, right? And I know that everybody... What's that in dollars? Uh, dollars about 5750 something like that, 5750 So for everybody that walks in my store and spends £4,000 on a mattress, I know that the majority of those people could and possibly would have spent more. So I've sort of left some money on the table there, really. But I can't find a mattress that's better than the one that I've got at 4000 that I can justifiably sell at a higher price because mm. I have to justify the price increase to my customers. Um, so there is a ceiling to this. When I say buy the best mattress you can afford, there is a ceiling to it. And in England, it's about 4000 quid, in my opinion. There is a good argument for investing good money in a mattress. But, you know, don't spend more than you can afford don't let your kids go hungry because you've yep. got a good bed yeah um but but if you've got you know if you've got the wherewithal to spend two or three thousand pounds on a mattress don't buy one for 500 pound because you, the only person that suffers ultimately is you and you can't put a price on your sleep and as, as you say it's five six seven 
maybe eight years you're going to be living with that in my book we talk about the benefits of a good night's sleep which which manifest itself in your health your relationships and your performance and if you want to be a healthier happier and a high performer you can't cut corners with with the third of your life that you're asleep and unless you've got a really good mattress jeff you can't sleep you know there's no point in even trying to sleep better if you haven't got the foundation right and the foundation's the mattress fantastic well thanks so much jerry uh, i've certainly learned a lot on this talk so give us uh, a quick rundown again um where people can find you your website and and your book my bed story surrey beds at pearly that's in pearly surrey england Online, my website is surreybeds.co.uk. You can find me um, as The Beducator. I have a book which is available on Amazon. It's called Sleeping Blissfully, How to Make the Most of a Third of Your Life. One of the things that I had in mind when I was writing the book was I wanted other bed retailers to be able to stock my book without compromising their relationship with their own customer. So there's no marketing um, in there. Um, there's no agenda, you know, there's no affiliate links or anything like that. This is just information about how to buy the right bed and how to sleep well in it. Thanks, Jerry. I'll let you get off. It's always a pleasure to speak to you. Thank you, Jerry. You've been listening to the Sleep Junkies podcast. To hear more conversations like this covering the whole conversation on sleep, feel free to subscribe on iTunes, on Google Play, wherever you like to listen to your podcast. Also, don't forget we're on social media, on Instagram, on Twitter, on our Facebook group, Sleep Junkies Worldwide, and of course, on the website, sleepjunkies.com. That's it for today's episode. Take care, sleep well, and we'll see you on the next one.